Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Dave Clay. So, <laughs> take one day at a time. Make the best of the moments of your life. Break the chore, the task, the job down into small parts. Reward yourself along the way. Keep an optimistic, hopeful perspective. Look for the goals, the end goals that you're aspiring to and celebrate them once you achieve them. It's one step at a time and it could go on and on and on. And all of that probably comes because in the same sort of way, it's a constant continual challenge to stay motivated. Especially when things don't happen so instantaneously, so immediately. And I do believe the human vessel, so to speak, or body, is sort of wired that way. Although schedules of reinforcement would suggest hit or miss, not knowing when you're going to get the payoff, can actually create a more, I guess, sustainable, enduring that's the word, sort of a response, then if you got it every time and then the first time that you didn't get it, then the despair and depression that follows, more or less, uh, would be so discouraging that you just quit. Something happened. This isn't working the way it's supposed to. Why do it again? Let's just figure it out or let's move on. Psychology Today. May of June, or May and June, or May, June of 2023. Savoring high hopes, leveraging anticipatory joy. Careful planning can ensure a consistently good mood. By Alex Lickerman, MD. Having to confront an in determinate outcome that might be bad seems to cause more anxiety than having to confront an outcome already known to be bad. In one study, patients requiring colonostomies, colostomies, sorry word, that were potentially reversible were actually found to be less happy six months after their operation than patients whose colostomies were permanent. Uncertainty prevented them from adapting to the change, keeping them focused on and attached to what they still stood to lose. Uncertainty about the future has almost unequal power to lower our life conditions in the present. The converse of this, however, also seems to be true. Anticipating something pleasant seems to have almost unequal power to make our present glow. Anticipatory joy is frequently greater than that brought to us by experiencing the very things we anticipate. This is often because an experience does not live up to our expectations and the difference between those expectations and reality mutes our experiential joy. 
Because it's also, but it's also because anticipating a pleasure is itself intrinsically pleasurable. When I've looked for the difference between my happy and unhappy days, I've noticed that the former are likely to be filled with thoughts about events I look forward to, while the latter are practically empty of them. Having something to look forward to is obviously not the sole determinant of my mood, but it clearly exerts a powerful influence. Powerful enough that when my mood falls, and I don't know why, I ask myself first if the reason is because of the absence of anticipatory pleasure. A lack of anticipatory pleasure usually can explain a depressed mood in the absence of other obvious reasons for it, that is, adverse events. Joyful anticipation is so important to my sense of well-being, in fact, that I almost always plan for something to look forward to. For me, this can be going to a movie or a play with my wife, reading a good book, completing errands, or even organizing my desk. I've learned that the activity needn't be large or significant or meaningful, just something I look forward to even a little bit. Unfortunately, it's often hard to find such things, especially if a problem looms large in our lives that's actually distressing us. Nevertheless, our brains are so constituted that we're able to feel more than one thing at a time, including diametrically opposed feelings like happiness and sadness. Even when we're depressed, placing something in front of us that we look forward to can lift our mood. It takes a certain amount of planning and preparation to arrange a consistent schedule of pleasurable activities to enjoy anticipating, but it's well worth the investment. Alex Lickerman, MD, is the founder and medical director of Imagine MD. Savoring high hopes, leveraging anticipatory joy, careful planning can ensure a consistently good mood. May, June 2023, Psychology Today. I'm all about manufacturing, I guess. Uh, outcomes. I have no problem with that. Actually, you could say that a good bit of processing is with an intended end in mind, at least in terms of making things. We have an idea of what we want. We understand enough of the basics of process to be able to sort of guide them regardless of what it is that we're working with materially, Possibly should be psychology today and all that. Psychologically. And it's all right if I continue then to sort of encourage myself by reminding myself not only of what this is promising to result in or what I know it to result in, if I can just be consistent, if I could just follow through. If I can just do on enough of a basis what is necessary to get it done, accomplished. And even then, I can claim some sense of validation that I've done it. Not only do I get the end result, but I can 
claim responsibility for it. And that's good for my self-esteem. And again, it's good for control and it gives me a predictable outcome. But not much in life (laughs) is like that. I don't know the exact ratio. And usually then the things that really hold the greatest potential for joy are the things that also hold the greatest potential for sorrow. And the author did capture that well, that in any given moment, even internally within us, we can have both sadness and joy. But in life, it is that simple for crisis. You could either have good outcomes or bad outcomes, the Japanese symbol. Because a crisis of itself just captures this dynamic. We don't know. It could go one way or the other. Certainly mitigate it when you can. If you know things that are good for you, then do them. If there's a formula that you can either acquire, buy, steal even, that translates to good outcomes psychologically, physically, in terms of self-care, what we need, do it. Uh, But the idea that somehow we could begin to really engineer everything to the elimination of chance, (laughs) either something could go good or something could go bad. Something could come out of this in a good way, something could come out of this in a bad way. And really, we don't want to risk, I don't think, losing, in that really sort of spirit, the reality or being realistic about that, unless we set ourselves up in some deluded or denial that takes on a delusional element and suffer too much positivity, too much optimism, too much hope, when obviously Rome is burning down around us. I don't know that there's any answer in that sort of way to the majority of those things that seem to result in some sort of, I guess, identity way, some sort of over the course of your lifetime, some sort of ratio way that means that somehow you're going to have lesser of the big risk then you would have greater of knowing what's coming and being able to predict or control for it. Possibly that is then a little bit of an attempt to balance that out. But I've got a better idea. Why don't we just trust that process really guarantees at least in the best of ways for all of us, I would believe individually as well as corporately, the best of outcomes. It's called adaptability. It's called process as in working through challenges. It's called learning and growth and development and virtue and character. It's really, again, the anticipatory joy of Uh, I'm not necessarily looking forward to having to lose something, but I'm really glad that when something comes up lost, that there'll be something else to come along to replace it. 
And should you get hung up in the big chill over the big risk, I think you've already fallen into the trap of such negativism, which by the way can be a control mechanism in and of itself. You can opt for the worst outcomes and with that be not a realist but a pessimist as much as you can opt for the best of outcomes all the time and try to live in that false world of optimism. But I'm okay with being a realist. But I still flavor my reality with the guarantee that life promotes more life. (laughs) That in some ways, though, there may be some semblance of an end. Life doesn't end. Especially if I consider it with me. All good things must come to an end. Certainly a truism. Everyone's life has a terminal point, but the terminal point is only in terms of what you know to measure it by. But what if you could change even that definition? And rather than artificially have to contrive, oh, well, I'll just live for the moment I'm in, and I'll keep reminding myself of the joy that's ahead, and... I'll keep an eye on all of these things that I hope to manufacture with my life. These things that if I do it this way, then for others it's turned out to be good. Well, I think we're all, when we get past that idealism, we get to that age where we don't see things so naively, idealistically, we all realize, ah, it doesn't always work and... Maybe it worked for them, but it may not work for us. We're in a different time, a different season, a different place, a different demand. But rather than pin my hopes on a set formula or me trying to continue to contrive some outcome that I obviously have no control over, because even though we can say terminally you're going to die, everybody's going to die, you don't know when. You don't know what's going to kill you. You don't know if it's this moment or the next. You can live in that kind of, again, not anticipatory joy. We'll call it gloom. The article, I don't think, really puts a name to it. But I think it's what it's talking about is the depression, sadness part, the lack of joy, at least hopeful that we'll get through it. Uh, What it basically results in is not only fatalism, which is death itself, but if you don't see anything working out, you can bring that on yourself pretty quickly. There's all sorts of ways to do that, to sabotage your life and your efforts, be self-destructive, and you could resort to killing yourself. I'm not saying all suicide is predicate upon that type of thinking, But I do want to say that probably as within the lens of depression that goes along with suicide, kind of begins to capture wherever that lens comes from. There's probably a social component. There's probably a subjective component. There's probably an interpretive component. There's probably some room in all of those things for choice. But let's just stay within the territory of realism and let's just say we know it's true we're adaptive creatures there is a process of adaptation adaptability evolution if you believe in such things 
It's all predicated upon not only the survival of the fittest, but the, the fittest really is the most adaptive. It doesn't have to be the fittest in terms of strength and power and might. It's the ability to solve problems. It's the ability to endure. It may be just luck. I'll go back to schedules of reinforcement. The article kind of goes against that notion that, well, if you get it every time, the first time you don't get it, it seems to compromise your motive to do it again by suggesting that maybe that's really what we're hopeful for is that we don't fall into the trap of anticipating so much the bad that we can't see the possibility of good, but even that's a bit of luck. <laughs> look at you look at odds. Uh, it's 50-50, unless you're pessimist, and then it's like 70-40, or not 70-40, 70-30-60-40 that you're going to fail, or vice versa, 60-40 that you're going to succeed, or 70-30 that you'll fail, or that you'll succeed. Because your bias... Your subjective bias not only is destructive to reality, interpretation of reality, and maybe the core essential element of fabricating or constructing truth to, to kind of tie all the facts together in a narrative sort of form, which is what science is. But if you're prejudiced or biased against you, and you begin to expect the worst, Don't be surprised if your expectations don't become self-fulfilling prophecies. And the same goes for hope and optimism. If you expect the better, then maybe you can push those odds a little bit better than 50-50. Maybe you can go 60-40, that things are going to work out. Maybe you can even get (laughs) 70-30. In baseball, 500's good. Really good. 300's good. Average. Hitting. Hitting the ball. So, as a psychological counselor, I don't want to move away from science. Good research methodology, good sound hypothetical deductive reasoning, empiricism. I just want to stay consistent with it. I'll flavor it a bit with don't get caught up in the trap of expecting the negative by maybe trying to emphasize a bit the positive. Uh, And at the same time, we can do a little bit of calibrating of that. If you're too optimistic, if you're a little bit manicky and seeing things in too ideal of fashion, we can kind of point out, oh, well, have you considered the negative consequences? Those that might be have a little bit of pain attached to them, you should think about those before you go out here and you do this thing that really most of us would say your odds of succeeding or being successful in are pretty slim. But if we allow it to happen in a more realistic way and we follow the facts and we flavor those with a certain element of truth that therein allows us to see that as optimistically or hopefully as possible, not to the dismissal of the feedback, but continuing to believe in the end it's all going to work out, then I don't have to make up things to motivate you. I can still use that strategy and tactic in a short-term sort of way to maybe find some motivation if you've lost the basic, I think, core Motive of, oh, well, we're going to live another day. There's going to be something better, something 
new, something to contend with, or if I have to give this up, it won't be that I won't have anything. I'm just going to have to be open to whatever it is and see the best in it and try to maximize, use it in the best way possible, take bad situations, take losses, and realize that for every loss, there's a gain. That's just what we're trying to talk about on the podcast. But believing in that to me, as a sounder methodology or approach, it doesn't mean you can't be joyful. Just focus your joy upon the right thing, and you know maybe we can come up with some rewards along the way to condition or take advantage of the schedules of reinforcement to condition you. But there's nothing quite that compares with even in the risk <laughs> having something good happen. Even if it's just by luck, there's something exciting about that, encouraging about that. And maybe that is even more powerful when it comes to gambling. <laughs> you know, gamblers continue because though they may lose a lot, nothing replaces that dopamine hit, I suppose, uh, that goes with winning. But what if you saw your life that way, that you'll have more wins and losses, and even if in the end you can't take it with you when you go, maybe it doesn't end when it seems to end. Life never ends. It just depends on how you see yourself in the bigger context of it. If it's all a construct that you've made up and contrived, such as personality, identity, or somebody else with you has contrived, it's all about you and your ego, then that's going to be a little pessimistic and there's probably no way to trick you into (laughs) seeing past that. But if you realize that identity and ego and who you are, even though that is perfectly all right to let that be the centerpiece of your story, your narrative for your life, just realize when it comes to the end of it, that won't survive. But life will. And whatever you've contributed to life in this most elegant and adaptive of ways, which means more life, you at least have the consolation of knowing you're part of life. And whatever your body is or isn't in a physical sort of way, energy is neither created nor destroyed. It just changes shape or form. It's not the matter. The matter is not destroyed either, the material. But the energy kind of comes and goes and flows through things in unique and different ways. But... Again, good news. <laughs> That's creativity. Be part of the creative process. And as much as, again, I contend with people who are in loss more regularly than I do people who haven't <laughs> when they come see me, most folks don't come to see a psychological counselor just for enhancement or growth, uh, as in this learning and growing in a more positive person sort of way, unless there's something that's cost them something. But I'm always trying to be, once more, the realist and encourage them that it's in you to get through this. (laughs) You're part of the bigger picture of things. You're part of the biggest of all elements of process or the way that creativity in a process sort of way unfolds. You don't have to contrive it. You don't have to make it happen. You just have to be able to see the win And know that anything material that you define materially as a win may not be here tomorrow. It's just the way the material dimension is. But if you can 
kind of get into alignment with the spirit of all of that, at least as much be part of the process, then your great hope would be the consolation even to the loss. The anticipatory joy and all of that is you're part of life. You're part of creativity. You are going to ride the wave. You're not going to be necessarily the one that ends up having to die, except it would only be about you. Life is not about just you. It can't be. Or when you pass or go on, it ends. But good news. <laughs> Life is about a lot more than just you. I won't say that cruelly. I'll try not to say that callously. I'll try to say that with all sympathy and empathy for the struggles you're going through. But I do think that's the better source of anticipatory joy or hope. And without it, I think if you're spending your whole life waiting to die or you can't somehow trick yourself out of that realization that it's all going to end at some point here (laughs) sooner than later, you can spend your whole life in a state of depression and sadness and nothing good. Even if you should live a long life, a healthy life, be miserable. We don't want that. We want you to be, again, as the article, full of hope, full of joy. Anticipatory pleasure can make the present glow. Yeah, be in the moment, but don't be in the moment that's overshadowed with this fatalism. Be in the moment that is, at least in the moment that you're in, contentment, satisfaction. Yeah, you can be hopeful and optimistic. And again, I'm all about that, the 60-40 thing. Get my math right. 70-30 thing. Think more positively. I believe you can get those odds a little higher. Keep working at it within that vein. Don't get caught up in the negativism so that you miss the opportunity when it comes. That creativity always seems to bring a second chance, another chance, another opportunity. But at the same time, though, let's be a bit realistic because if that's all predicated upon something that you've made up... (laughs) You can package it. You can put, what is it, lipstick on the pig, but it's still going to be a pig. And that's only talking about animals, folks, and nothing derogative toward pigs. Pigs are wonderful animals. But when people come see me, that's usually the way I try to frame it, albeit I might not say it as directly as we are on the podcast. That's the intention. Hopefully the podcast will give you a chance to kind of take it in without necessarily having to come in because of a loss or because of some depression or because of some sadness or because of discomfort that in the truth of spirits, maybe it can be primary care, (laughs) really prevention stuff. I hope that the podcast helps to keep you from maybe falling into some of the traps. I hope it provides good information. Why wouldn't it? It's based on articles, journal articles in Psychology Today, the journal Psychology Today. And it's written by very qualified authors, those articles. Uh, The journal itself, Psychology Today, is written by very qualified authors. I don't know that. I'm going to hold myself out as, as qualified. But certainly I've got a lot of experience under my belt. and I've been doing this for a long time. And I do read Psychology Today. So what I might lack, I try to make up for by reading, by studying a bit. And trying to find something, too, that's entertaining and enjoyable. 
Should you find the podcast that, then I'd like to invite you back to our next edition of Word with Dave Clay. Uh, you can reach out to us should you want to communicate at the wordhouse at frontier.com. You can find us online at thewordhouse.com. You can also call 304-523-9673, 304-523-WORD. But in the meantime, until we do get a chance to communicate at some level, either directly through talking or just you listening to the podcast and me doing all the talking on this side of it, at least in spirit, I know you're talking back at some level, I want to wish you not only the best in health, but the best in mind health. And with that, I want to thank you for allowing me to be at least in small measure a part of your life.